Welcome to the Retire Notes podcast series about preparing for retirement. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Jill Weeks, who has a broad experience in the retirement field. She's co-author of Where to Retire in Australia and Retire Busy, and author of 21 Ways to Retire, and she's a broadcaster featured regularly on ABC Radio. Thank you for joining us again, Jill. Thank you very much, Bruce. And it's good you're going to share some of your research about Retire Busy, which is one of the books. Yeah, well, Retire Busy it was um, a book, I suppose, my husband and I didn't really think that we'd be writing, but um, it came about after we um, were writing, I guess, the first edition of Where to Retire in Australia. And one of the questions yes. we'd ask when we came, went to a town, look, if you've moved here and... You didn't really want to retire, but you could, could you find a day a week work or could you yes. set up a profitable hobby or, you know, a business? Um, what's there to help you out? And from there, Retire Busy began. Yeah. It's actually a fascinating book. Um, when you look through it, I mean, there's more than a hundred, or I think it says on the cover more than 101. I think there's about 120 different jobs in there. Mm. So th- this is how your family just wandered through town saying, what are people doing? What are people doing? And and particularly at the um, councils, the economic development officer would say, oh, you need to go and speak to, or there was um, particularly around New South Wales, a business advisory group or a business economic centre yes. where they'd help people out. If they want to launch a business, yes. you'd go along and they'd provide you with um, resources. And that's, oh, you need to go and speak to. And then from that, they'd say, oh, go and, go and chat to this person or that person. And then after a while, we just had our radar on and we're reading local newspapers and we say, oh, how do we get in contact with that person? They are doing something really interesting and, you know, in their so-called retirement. Yes. So give us some examples. Oh, gosh. Well, I think one of the interesting people I've met, and you've met too, is Carol Jones. Oh, yes. And um, she was referred to us by one of these business advisory people. Carol and her husband, Victor, had moved from Sydney some time before. Basically, they have an online business now, and she's known as the Ironing Diva because her husband, Victor's mother, couldn't find an ironing board cover that fitted properly and didn't disintegrate after a year or so. So Victor, being an architect, designed this ironing board cover, and Carol, with her marketing experience, has gone on to... Oh, look, it's, it's something like 300,000 ironing board covers around the world. And there's been hotels that have bought them apartments as well as individuals. And then she's gone on to develop other products as well. And she's also a very giving person in terms of helping others out with, you know, marketing or business as well. So she's one particular person yeah, that we came yeah. across. And, and, and let me update you something because as you know, I interviewed her. Mm. A few months back now, but it, the number is now 500,000. Oh, 500,000. Yes. See, she keeps that very quietly. We, we actually oh, speak. Maybe I've spilled the beans here. <laughs> we, we speak once a fortnight. We, we, um, okay. um, we just catch up because I always find her a fascinating person and she's full of ideas and somehow she sort of puts up with me, you yes. know, chatting. But we get up at six o'clock. We talk for one hour and it's, you know, business related. It's okay. sort of, I guess, um, mentoring maybe or whatever, but she's a fascinating person. That's mm. one person. Another person um, we met was Margaret Anuta, and she was German, and her daughter had moved from Germany to Tasmania, and Margaret had a fairly high-powered job in Germany, and then she went to Hobart to live and found out that no one was interested in her. And eventually someone said, well, it's your age and your accent, and Margaret was 
oh, well, big deal. So she started walking to us around Salamanca Place. That grew and grew and grew. And then she developed Naturally Tasmanian Tours. And she said, you know, the best thing about my job is that people love my age and my accent because her customers at that stage were German and retired. <laughs> okay, so, so she, 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 she it, just yes. went on. So Margaret was an amazing person. She really was. Another lady that did a travel type of business and it's still going is Biddy Naylor and she has a tour for women in France and Italy, just walking tours. And Biddy was a social worker and I think she got a bit tired of her job. So sort of retired and started up um, Valentine tours and she's still going, you know, really well. And, um, you know, she's got a lot of repeat business, I think, because she does such a good job. And these days she really um, sells her services or tours through a travel agent. But, you know, there's another lady in Melbourne called Robin who makes soap and she started making soap to sell at markets in her garage. And now she's got a small factory. Um, oh, really? And she just loves it. She employs people now, sells at all sorts of markets and online, and she just has an amazing, I guess, drive and interest, and she's really taught herself everything about soap making. And, you know, there's another couple we know that for a long time had a business they called Locum Management, but it actually meant babysitting people's businesses when they were busier away, and Mr. had a background in um, manufacturing, so through his mates, they all knew that he was reliable, trustworthy, yes, and all those things. And, yes, but the problem with that business was they were so popular, they didn't really get a holiday. <laughs> they didn't get their own time. <laughs> yeah, so they had to say, you know, look, look, sort of stop, you know, but they were saying that's their age was an advantage because they were perceived and they are trustworthy, loyal, and it could be something as easy as opening up the mail or checking staff are turning up while the, yes. you know, the yes. other things are happening. So yeah. there was lots and lots of um, people. Um, yeah. and another couple we met, he was a retired firefighter and she was a retired nurse and they're on their lap around Australia in their caravan and they stopped off at Forest Airport, which is a nullable plane and you know, you'd think that there's yes. nothing much happens there, but it's a very busy little airport. You know, there's lots of planes coming in and out. These would be small planes. Mm. Mm. Well, then it could also be large planes in an emergency too. Oh, yes, And sure. um, so they went and they were fascinated by this airport, and then they found out that they could possibly have a job there for six months of the year. They both worked really hard there, and um, they were six months there, six months off back in Victoria, in rural Victoria, and they just absolutely loved it. And she said, oh, gosh, you have sometimes six or eight pilots around the dinner table every night. Yes. Um, he did a lot of maintenance and he said there was a lot of work to do and she said that things not so good about it were the dust storms. Mm. And, you know, yes, she, out there. Yeah, and it was a helicopter pilot said, what do you crave in terms of food? And she said, oh, I'd do anything for a pizza. And anyway, yes. she said three hours later, his helicopter came back and he had about 20. Oh. He'd, he'd, <laughs> he'd flown down to Eucla. And yes. uh, ordered about 20 pizzas. So she said the people you meet, the characters, but she said they got paid, which was nice. And she said it was just one heck of an experience. It was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. So there's some of the ones. You know, yeah. you've got people who volunteer, of course, that's incredibly important in, in yeah. retirement. You've got people who have, you know, little hobbies that make business, like we know a man that trades antique fountain pens. Over the internet. As you, know. you do. Yeah, it goes around <laughs> markets, does them up and then sells them. Another man um, has a business with, oh, well, you know, a profitable hobby, I should call it, with um, antique tools. You know, people have got tools in their shed they don't want, he'll have it, and there's a bit of a business going there. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking back in the day, so to speak, retirement wasn't like that. It was just, I'm retired now, I will relax, rest, whatever. So what, what's happened? Well, I think that just to get back to the word retired, um, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means to go back to, as you say, to rest, to retreat. And these retirees these days are not retreating at all. So the old retirements was work for 40 plus years, 
retire at age 65, and then it was into travel or perhaps not challenging yourself as much as these days. Whereas these days, there's a lot more out there challenges, go-getters, people who want to get out there and have an active lifestyle. You know, they've got so many choices these days. They can work part-time if they can, you know, mm. find employment, volunteer, travel, hobbies, learn a new skill. There's so many more opportunities, I would say, out there. And technology has certainly helped. Yeah. And we're living longer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which, which means we've got more time to do those kinds like, of things. More time to do, to tick off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people are getting more involved in life in retirement than they used to. What's the value of, say, work in retirement? Other than finances, I'm sure finances yeah. is a bonus. Finances can really be a major point, of course, in working in retirement. But when you look back at what work actually gives you in your working life. Of course, there's income, but there's activity. It's making a contribution. It gives you structure and time management. There's the things you don't necessarily um, know about. Then, of course, there's the socialisation. That's very important. And you often find retired men really miss the work culture or the workmates, and perhaps they've not had the opportunity or not wanted to go and actually find friends outside their work situation. Then you've got the, it's your self-expression, it's how you express yourself at work. You've got the pleasure of working. Maybe not everyone says that, but most people will. They'll look back and say that was good. There's a sense of status, and to a certain degree, some people say, well, look, it gave me some stability as well. Hmm. Have you come across any research that looks at baby boomers, the current crop of retirees, Well, they want to do this kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah. Some people say, look, we don't want to necessarily back to the grind, but whether it's like the couple I was talking about who work for six months and have sure. six months off, mm. or whether it's a couple of days work a week. But um, some studies have shown that about half of all baby boomers say they plan to work past traditional retirement age, not because they can't afford to, but because they don't want to retire, because they see retirement as not necessarily for them, you know. And then I think it was one of the universities a few years ago said that um, 60% of Australians plan to work after they pull the pin and money was only one of the reasons they wanted to keep going. Um, but social networking was really important for the socialisation. Okay. We started the conversation talking about retire busy. What did you learn from talking to these people that would help anyone else who was trying to put together something that maybe would give them some income, say from a hobby or... From their skill set. Well, I think the people we've met started slowly. They started well before they retired. So they had some money to test ideas. It wasn't necessarily retirement money that they were using. So they could actually go out and say, well, would that work? Or I'll just put my toe in and see if this works. And they've had ideas, you know, it might be this idea, might be that idea. But they also, a lot of them have sort of said, well, in the case of, for example, Biddy Nail, I was talking about the Valentine tour lady before, uh, she sort of said, well, what do I like doing and what am I good at? And so, you know, might say, well, I like helping people in her case. And I also, you know, like travel. So you put those two together and, you know, so, some of them actually had an ideas bank. So you'd list everything that you'd like to do and what your skills were. And could you marry number one with number 10 or two with eight or, you know, sort of see how they go there. They've often gone and asked successful people their secrets, or not necessarily secrets, but can you help me out, or yes. do you know of anyone, um, you know, so they've gone and said, well, how did I get into that? Yeah, that, that, I mean, that sounds like a good idea, it's so obvious, but I'm yeah. afraid it's not something I would have thought yeah. about. <laughs> the thing is, um, also, they looked at their passions, you know, you might have interests, but what are you really passionate about? And some people say, oh, I don't know, I like tennis or I like um, whatever, golf or lawn bowls, or it might be stamp collecting or some sort of collecting. 
but oh, that's a hobby, but I don't really know what my passion. So I think you have to really work out what makes you get out of bed in the mornings <laughs> in retirement and think, well, this is going to be a fantastic day. There's so many things I can look forward to. Hmm. There's an interesting warning on the cover of the book, which talks about don't spend all your retirement. It doesn't say it in these words, but don't spend all your retirement money on trying to create a job for yourself. That, that would be a danger. I'd that imagine. would be a huge danger. I, I have seen some people buy into let's just say, certain businesses. Mm. And really, when they've sold, they've either lost some money or they've just got their money back. And it hasn't really been as relaxing as they first thought. And there's been a lot more time and money invested into a venture rather than sort of starting off, you know, really, really slowly. It can be very hard for some people too, because if they're used to work, boots and all, throwing themselves into something, can be very difficult to say, hey, let's just do some research. You know, maybe we do a few focus groups, you know, ask a group of people, um, is this a good idea? Would you buy this? And actually ask some really hard questions of yourself. Yeah. Again, do your homework, isn't it? Do your homework. <laughs> do your homework. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess one of the things that comes to mind is as people retire, they often have to spend time working out who they are. Mm. Whereas if they get into a craft, a hobby or something, they then have a certain identity. And I think particularly for men. This is really a big problem. And um, I know speaking to some emergency workers, they've flagged this as an area they're very concerned about, particularly for men, because they may have the lovely retirement home or the lovely shed or the garden or whatever it is. Yes. But they said really inside some of them actually aren't very happy because they're not used to not working. And uh, a lot of them have what they call relevance deprivation. Uh, in sort of basic terms, it's, I used to be. You ask someone, oh, what do you do? And they'll say, I used to be. No, no, no what are you doing now? It doesn't really matter. But some people really like titles. You know, I am a whatever it, whatever it is. So just saying, I'm retired is not enough. No, because people go, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think it's, it's for some people it's incredibly important and, you know, never underestimate whatever title you had in your previous life. You know, it's now time to develop a new life. Yes. I've heard you talk about portfolio. Talk about that a bit. Unpack that a bit in the context of retirement. Well, you have a financial portfolio and if you'd like to draw a circle, not very good on radio doing this. <laughs> um, uh, folks, she's waving her arms around in a circle. <laughs> And uh, I think it's very important in, in retirement to have a lifestyle portfolio. So just as you may have pieces of the pie, there might be however you invest your money in the financial portfolio. I think in the lifestyle portfolio, you've got to make sure that there's a bit of balance. You know, it's not, as I call it, lopsided leisure. You're not sort of constantly just playing golf every day, all day, which I don't know, it may be a dream for some people, but I think that you've got to think of the different parts of your lifestyle portfolio. So, for example, you'd have uh, perhaps several occupations, which, you know, may include part-time work, mentoring, consulting work, several sources of investment income, of course, several hobbies, and some of them may generate additional income. And then, of course, you might have several volunteer engagements that could include service clubs, church groups, and special causes. So if you sort of divide that, in, you know, it's sort of a kind of wholesome life, if you like, and that pie should look pretty good. So you're not, for example, if you're volunteering, that might be a real passion of yours. But sometimes, you know, having 100% of your portfolio, your lifestyle portfolio in, in one particular area is not incredibly helpful to you. Mm, so it's really about taking a whole-of-life approach. Whole-of-life approach, yeah. 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 Hey, thank you, Jill. There are a lot of options there if people want to keep busy yeah, in retirement. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the retirenotes.com podcast. Mm-hmm.